Thanks for waking them up. That was good. Thank you, Terry, choir, soloists, our wonderful orchestra. God bless you and praise band, all of you. Honor and praise to God for that. Welcome if you're listening on our simulcast, wherever you are, beach, ocean, hotel, some homesick. I'm just glad we had no mission trip planned to Wuhan, right? Though they could use one and pray for them as all that's going on over there. Thank you for joining us today. We're looking at a series on the life of Joseph who covers one-third of the book of Genesis. What an incredible, incredible narrative we have here about a life that God works in such a powerful way. Sometimes we can glean some wisdom from lots of sources. Bubba may not be the best, but he is here today. How many of you have ever been hunting or are hunters? Let me see any hands around here. Are you a hunter? I didn't know that. Now, for those who didn't raise your hand, I'm counting shopping as hunting. <laughs> no hesitation right there. The hand went right up. Right. Now, you might say, oh, Pastor, that's ridiculous. Listen, when you have 647 pairs of shoes and you're looking for one more, that's hunting. Right? I'm just telling you. But anyway, Bubba has some uh, in his Bubba's book of proven hunting wisdom. He gives us for those, even if you're walking in the woods, don't have to be hunting, about how to take care of yourself. And it says, the uh, take extra precautions and keep alert for bears. I've seen some bears that have been walking in the woods, and they're kind of, they can be pretty intimidating. So here, Bubba wants to help us today. He says, I advise all hunters to wear little noisy bells on their clothing so as not to startle bears that aren't expecting you, and also to carry pepper spray in case one comes toward you. Okay, there you go. He says also, and following that up, it's a good idea to watch for fresh signs of bear activity. He says, hunters should recognize the difference between black bear and grizzly bear manure. I'm just quoting what I got here. Black bear manure is smaller and contains lots of berries and squirrel fur. Grizzly bear manure, however, is larger and contains little bells and smells like pepper. Well, we're not going on a hunting expedition today because the Word takes us right to it. You don't have to hunt for truth in the Word of God. It's right there. And I want to talk about some of the truths we could find along the path of life that God has brought my way and your way that teaches some great principles in life. I pose a question to you today. Have you ever been stripped of something for doing the right thing? Joseph was, but I ask it to you, ask it of myself. Have you ever been stripped of something for doing the right thing? Bring up our passage, if you would, as we start in Genesis 39.1. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And so we catch up very quickly the fact Joseph goes to visit his brothers. They leave from Shechem. The brothers go to Dothan. They're there. The brothers decide when they see Joseph coming, they want to kill him. 
The first thing they take when Joseph's come, they telegraph their feelings. They take that coat from him, take his robe. They take it away. They hated it. They wanted to kill him. Reuben decides, let's throw him in a cistern. He wants to spare his life. And later we find out that Judah says, let's just sell him. Why should we just let him die in there? Let's sell him. He'll be a slave. They'll take him all the way down to Egypt. And, of course, it's at that very time, the intersection where those brothers are planning this thing and doing this thing, that a caravan of Ishmaelites comes by. They sell him for 20 shekels of silver. And he's on his way on that 1,000-plus-kilometer journey, approximately 600-some-odd miles, all the way into Egypt, far. Lots of time passes to cover that kind of distance. Lots of times to Joseph will be laying out under the stars wondering what his father's thinking, thinking about all that took place, wondering how it's going to all end up. Will he live or die? Will he be sold into some place where he's actually quarrying big stones and having a whip to his back? What's going to happen to him? But we know something that happens to him because, you see, the Bible tells us the kind of person he was. He was a person of character. He was a person that stood for the truth. And today, as we look, I pose the question once again, have you ever been stripped of something for doing the right thing? Now, there's been lots of people in our world that have been stripped of something for doing the wrong thing, right? And I've got one such person here. This is not a sports statement. It's not a political statement. It's not an opinion statement. I'm just going to state something about this person. His name is Pete Rose, and that's his autograph on that photograph. Some of you, how many, any Reds fans out there? Right. Boy, a whole lot. I know, John, I know you are. I know it's big, that's great. And there, there it is, uh, Pete Rose. And just in case you didn't know, I'm not, who, who's Pete Rose? Well, I'll tell you who he is. Played um, many years in the major leagues. In fact, he played enough to where he's the all-time major league uh, leader in hits. Out of everyone that's ever played the game, Ty Hot Cobb, Hank Aaron, Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, uh, Lou Gehrig, all of them, Joe DiMaggio, this man had more hits by far than all those guys I just mentioned. He also um, won three, had three World Series rings, lots of other titles, but because Pete Rose, and he admitted it in his book, but he was accused of gambling in the time for a period of his time while he was managing and playing. He was gambling on sports. And so you would think if you are the one person out of all the tens of thousands that ever played Major League Baseball as the leader, that you'd make it to the Hall of Fame. But he's been barred from that because of that. Amazing, isn't it? Some decisions carry a whole lot of consequences with them. Negatively and positively, have you ever been stripped of something for doing the right thing? Let's look at Joseph as we go through this. We see he is purchased by a person by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar's name, uh, F-H-A-R, is a translation of the word, an idea of the word son from that. And his name actually means belonging to the son, S-U-N. If you're here as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you belong to the S-O-N. Son of God, right? As many as received him to those who gave the power become son or children of God. But Potiphar has that name because that was a powerful God in Egypt, uh, the God of the sun. And he bought him from the Israelites, and we don't know how much he paid for him. 
We know if there's traitors, they made a profit on them, right? But I submit to you, as I have written up there, no matter what they, what he paid for him, Joseph was an incredible bargain, was he not? How would this guy have known that the person that he has purchased to work in his house and his household would become, well, one of the most powerful people in the world, having saved the entire, entire area from starving to death and placed in such a business. He couldn't have known that. But there is something about it. Why did he buy Joseph? These trader markets had lots of people for sale. There would be people in it, and it was like bidding on furniture or some other thing at an auction. Why did this official, who had a high place in Pharaoh's government, did he purchase, out of all the people he could have, Joseph? What was the deal? Well, when you think about it, this young man is 17 years old. Do we have anyone 17 years old in this room? Some hands are going, yeah, that's cool, that's great. How would you like to be in Joseph's shoes at this time? Some of you say, I feel like I am sometimes, right? Joseph's character and demeanor trusted in God, even in affliction. And his countenance and demeanor must have done something to Potiphar's mind for him to choose to say, I'm going to make an investment in this 17-year-old. I'm going to make an investment in his life. You see, lots of people can have some things happen to them and bring about a real sour attitude. Now, none of us have ever had a bad attitude, I'm sure. But with Joseph, think about it. He has been stripped of family, a robe that was such a special thing, his familiar place, his home, all of that. And there he is. And of all the people that could be chosen, meanwhile, God, this man buys him. And who do you think is going to get some education in the workings of the Egyptian political system? Because there he is, as God is preparing him. Now, he couldn't know that. He couldn't pick who's going to buy him. He's there, and something about his demeanor said, this person is different. Keep moving on. Thank you. So it tells us in Genesis 39, 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Pretty good. It's amazing how God uses everything, isn't it? He ends up in this place and has prospered while he's there. It's a prospering place. Now, when you think about it, When you think about this young man going to this place, he could have carried the worst attitude in the world going into it, couldn't he? He could say, man, I really, I hate God. I hate my family. I hate what happened to me. I'm never going to be happy. But something happened to him that happened well before he was taken into slavery. Has a lot to do with his demeanor and attitude. And some of you are sitting in college and high school and middle school classes or in workplaces that are really tough. You're maybe your neighborhood or your family or extended family, there's some tough situations going on in your life. Some of you are facing some things regarding, as I spoke to someone even between surfaces, regarding coming back to hear biopsy results and that kind of thing. Some, once again, in going between service and meeting someone that 
Tuesday, after the meanwhile message last week, lost a job because of some of the instances with a store chain that's going to be closing up. That same person, by the way, has got that test coming up for them. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and lived in the house of his Egyptian master. You see, it depends on how you look at things and how big your God is when you go forward. It says the Lord was with Joseph, doesn't it? Here's what happens when you walk with God instead of your feelings, instead of a bad attitude, instead of letting your flesh get the best of you, instead of giving free rent in your brain to the wrong things and forgetting that God is a very big God. Here's what the Word of God says. When you walk with Him, He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever He does prospers. You see, a tree planted by streams of water has a constant source of nourishment. When you walk with God, your spirit's always nourished. Your life is nourished. You see, it is water. We can't, we, we can't live without water. And we'll never have a lively believer's life without the nourishment of God's Word and the presence of God in our lives. It says, which yield its fruit in season. When I was a boy and we'd slice these things in half called a grapefruit. I still enjoy grapefruit, right? Pink grapefruit, the other grapefruit, whatever. Sweet and nice and good, cold and enjoy them. But they had these things in them called seeds, right? And I'd love to just to take them out and get a little paper cup, put the seed in there, get some soil from the yard. And I thought, this is going to be so cool because it wasn't a short little time. In Brooklyn, New York, the tree grows in Brooklyn. You put that little cup on the windowsill, and it starts to grow. And I thought, boy, I can't wait to pick my fresh grapefruit from this tree, <laughs> right? Well, I was in for a rude awakening of how many years it would take for that to produce grapefruit. But God, in his, in his infinite wisdom, when we were first married, PJ and I had an apartment uh, in Hollywood, Florida, on the second floor, and outside of our window on the second floor was a big grapefruit tree, and we could pick grapefruits right through the window. Wasn't that? that was cool. That was really cool and fun to do. So eventually came up, but that was a whole bunch of years later. You see, it says that in season you get the fruit. You can't put the seed in today and say, okay, tomorrow. I was uh, with a witness in my class yesterday, or I did a good job yesterday in my workplace, or this happened in my family, and tomorrow everything's going to be perfect. It says, in season. So because something's going on today, don't measure your life in moment to moment to see what the objective is for a year, two years, ten years down the road, or more. In season, whose leaf does not wither because there's a lot of people walking around withering. They're the withered Christians. I'm alive and good. I got this. I got this hard test. And I wanted to date so-and-so. Now they're going with that person there. And that guy got the promotion when I should have had it. And that woman got that. And that. We can always look at something else and give free rent in our brain to a bunch of garbage. We make God about that big and make our problems about this big because we can become our own God. Joseph didn't do that. Wasn't withering. 
That's why when Potiphar looks at him and says, I see some life there. You see, you can tell when a tree is alive, can't you? If you see a bunch of brown withered leaves on there, it's probably not good. When you're picking out your things this spring to go put in your garden, your different plants or shrubs or trees, you're not saying, oh, that's a good, that's a beautiful brown color of those leaves. Look, they don't have to rake too much. There's no leaves on it. They're falling off. You want to pick something that's green and vibrant, whose leaf does not weather, whatever he, whether, whatever he does prospers. Well, it didn't look like Joseph was prospering when he was walking in that line probably tied up along probably with other people that this caravan was ready to sell. Didn't look real prosperous and real great on that, but I guarantee you, as we've seen about the life of Joseph and how he responded, I bet he was a blessing on that caravan too. And so he prospered. And Joseph was deprived of some of those basic things of life. His father, his family, his home. It wasn't that Joseph said, well, I know I had that happen, but my brothers said, you know, we're really sorry, we're going back home. Joseph lost his father, his family, his home, his familiar surroundings, all that he used to do, the familiar food he had. Now he's eating slave rations on some caravan off into Egypt. 600 and some odd miles they have to go to all this thing. And he left behind... Many, many precious things that he loved. Let me ask you again, have you ever been stripped of something for doing the right thing? He left behind many things that are precious to him, but Joseph took God with him. See, the most precious thing that he had, the most precious thing that you and I have, the presence of God. Joseph took God with him. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. It seems like you could transplant, transplant that very verse back into the book of Genesis. Because God's nature is the same. See, that's that word comes to us. It comes from someone who also went through a whole lot by the name of the Apostle Paul. You don't have to be a victim. You can be victorious no matter what's happening in your life if you bring into that the presence of God in your life. And that's what Joseph took with him on that journey. And I love that. You see, there's a great truth that we learn from Joseph's life. And it's found in Psalm 27. We're going to look at four of the verses here. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face will I seek. I'm not going to seek all my problems. I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm not going to seek a bad attitude. I'm going to seek your face, God. And it's a wonderful thing because you see, though my father and mother forsake me, Talking about the worst human experience you can have to be forsaken by your very parents. The Lord will receive me. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. David knew something about that. Joseph knew something about that. You see, the straight path biblically in days before cars and these beautiful routes you showed driving sports cars through the mountains and these circuitous routes. In biblical times, when you're walking, there was no Fitbit. So how many steps you got? They were trying to cut down on steps. 
when you're making these journeys, and a straight path was this path that was the best path to be on. Straight, clear, clean, from direct point A to point B. God leads us to the right places in the right ways. And it says that when we do that, we have the blessing of God. The Lord will receive me because I pursued him. Lead me in straight paths because of my oppressors. Many times the prayer is, lead me to get some revenge on them because I hate that person. That person bugs me. That person bothered me. That person deserves this. God says, here's what you do. Help me to continue to do the right thing. You see, I wonder what would happen if Joseph brought a rotten attitude into that whole thing. Time to get sold and he's spitting on people, laughing at people, being a sourpuss. Something stood out. You see, anyone can bring a bad attitude and be justified for it. It's not saying that Joseph wasn't neglected. His family was a traitor to him. He was sold like an animal or less than that. All he was doing was the right thing. What does he do? What do you do? What do I do? When you have oppression for the right thing. When you suffer for the right thing. When you have something in your life that's been stripped away for doing the right thing. And some of you sitting here perhaps have had a boyfriend or girlfriend, a fiance, health stripped from lots of different, a job. Keep going on and on and on. You may have stripped of the blessing that you grew up with, like some of Joseph's brothers may have felt. There's issues all through this place and all through the world that are common to the human experience, but what do you do with it? See, the Lord will receive me. When everyone else may not want me, the Lord will. And he will prosper you and bless your life and plant you by streams of water where you will be nourished. You will bear fruit in due season in your life. A lot of people don't bear fruit because they don't want to get planted by the streams of water. They want to get planted by a bad attitude and let that grow up in them. I think fruit's going to come up. You put in seeds of negativism and, and lack of belief in God. What do you expect to grow up? But God says, I'll give you something that will prosper you. And your paths will be straight. You will find you'll end up in the right place. Because trials and suffering reveal all we need to know about our trust relationship with the Lord. You can go and go through every study you want to go through. But when it comes down to it, part of this fallen earth, Jesus said that you will be persecuted if you follow after me. And it may become in varying degrees. Some of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world are paying the ultimate price with their lives. And some are being persecuted in universities, high school, middle school, maybe even elementary schools. Some of your neighbors in your neighborhood, moms and dads or single adults, may be persecuted because you know that when they're talking, they're talking about the dumb people that believe in the things we believe in. And on and on and on for the workplace and everything else. It just happens. There's persecution, and we may have some kind of a crazy persecution someday. We don't know that. But they reveal all we need to know about our trust and relationship with the Lord. And sometimes we can feel persecuted because lots of hard things happen to us in our lives. I shared about someone losing a job last week and also having a health-related thing simultaneously. 
And some of you are probably in that category right now. And some, as I already know, because I've officiated many, many weddings like we had yesterday for a dear couple that was in here, Sarah, that young lady that's got pancreatic cancer stage four. And we can look at that and wonder, that's unbelievable. What do we do? And you find out where you are when those kinds of things happen in life. Do you trip over yourself? Do you trip over your belief? Do you put it on the back burner and say, you know what, I, I don't care. Why is this happening to me? And I think there's some time we can all question God and go through perhaps even a little pity party. But listen, you've got to return to the basics. And if you've had something taken away from you from doing good and you're, it's your health, your very health, especially at a young age, I guess some of the questions that came out were, how do you explain this? People in the community that don't have a relationship with the Lord asked me, how do you explain that? And there's sometimes people even sitting out there watching a wedding that are probably thinking, why shouldn't that be me? Why isn't that me? That's what I've wanted. There's God in my life. Why don't I have that special person? I know it's part of the human experience. Then when you have it, you say, why was that me? <laughs> Whatever. We're never satisfied, are we? Right? Like the old joke, if it was raining soup, we ran out with a fork and complained. God has so many wonderful things in store for us when we follow him. Trials and sufferings are going to reveal to God how I deal with my trust relationship with him and how you do the same thing. They reveal it. And there's Joseph with every negative thing you can think happened to a person in life. And there he is, someone that's a powerful person. God says, okay, your demeanor, because of your trust in me, is going to look different than the other people. I'm sure if there's other people being sold, their attitude was horrible. Joseph there saying, okay, if I'm going to be a slave to someone and a servant to someone, I'm going to be the best I can be. I'm going to make a difference. I'm not going to march to the beat of everyone else being negative. I can't believe it's all happened. Now we're going to die. We're going to plan escape. Think about it. Joseph, people can escape. He stays there. And God in his providence brings him to a place where he's learning a whole lot about Egyptian government, as I said earlier. Bring up that next slide. Thank you. In Genesis 39, 3 and 4, it says, When his master saw that the Lord was with him, stop. Do people see that God is with you, that you are friends with in your class, in your workplace? Do they see the presence of God that you march to the beat of a different drum, that there's something different about you? Do they see it? Because that's a visible manifestation of God's presence in your life, on your sports team, your class, wherever it is. Do they see? It tells us this pagan... This man named after the sun says he saw that the Lord was with him. And you see it says, Lord, the personal name for God there, it's capitalized all the way through. Saw that Yahweh was with him. Maybe because Joseph prayed and he could hear the prayer. Maybe because Joseph said, here's the God of Israel. Here's the God I believe in. Here's the God I pray to. He was a witness. And he saw as he witnessed this man, God is with this man. And that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. 
It's crazy good, isn't he? Did Potiphar get a bargain or what? Joseph found favor in his eyes, as God can put favor on his children when you follow after him, and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted him to the care of everything he owned. Let me ask you right now, other than your spouse, if you're married, who would you put in charge of everything you own? This pagan picked this young man that came into his house and put him in charge of everything he owns. This has to be some kind of divine thing taking place in Joseph's life. Have you ever been stripped of something for doing the right thing? God has seen it. God knows. And he's watching. And he's putting things in your life right now when you stay connected to him, planted by the streams of water, that he's going to bless you. And you may not see it now. It didn't look like that for Joseph, but look what's taking place. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It says, when his master saw that the Lord was with him, live out the manifestation of God's love, care, providence, grace, and mercy in your life. You may not feel like that because most people are going in the other direction, and many of those people are professed believers in Jesus. Don't you follow the crowd, follow your Lord. Let the crowd get behind you as you follow your Lord. We have enough followers of the wrong thing. You've got to be strong and stand up because there was no one else there to tell us in that household that was following after the Lord. But Joseph said, you know what? I'm going to follow and I'm going to let God lead and guide. And I'm going to do what is right. Even though I hate where I am, I hate being away from my family, all that I had. I'm going to do the best job I can now and not carry a bad attitude with me because I represent the King of Kings. I represent Jehovah God. You see, Jesus said in Matthew 25, 21, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've become faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Jesus gives the principle. We want to bellyache and complain and bring bad attitudes into place and say, what a horrible place. A bunch of lost people in my class, a bunch of lost people in the workplace, a bunch of lost people in my family. But someone went in and said, you know what? I left my country, but I I took God with me. God didn't stay back there. He's gone with me. The presence of God is with me. And Jesus said, okay, be faithful in a few things. Be faithful in the caravan as you're walking along to be a blessing. I have no doubt he prayed along that caravan route, sometimes visibly. I have no doubt he prayed in Potiphar's house. He did what was right and honest, and everything he did prospered. To a pagan could see And it names the name that Yahweh, Jehovah God, was with this guy. He's prospering everything he's doing. You see, God saw that an official in Potiphar's government purchased him. Because Joseph went with a great attitude and stood there probably ready to go. This guy had slumped over and cursing and bellyaching and complaining. He is there to do the real thing. What a thing. It may look like it's a little thing you're being faithful in right now. It may look little. Can I tell you something? It's not little to God. God says, first be faithful with the little, then I'll make you faithful over much. 
And some people sabotage that all the time because they say, well, no, I thought I'd do good now. Yeah, I tried that yesterday. It didn't work today. In season, it says, don't you dare tell God he's got to do something tomorrow. He's working behind the scenes just like he is in Joseph's life. It's no coincidence he ended up where he ended up. And young people, as you're making decisions now about your dating life, about vocations, don't base that on temporal, one-day kinds of things. Who you're going with or not going with, what you're going to do, what you want to be. Allow God to work in your life. Give Him every day and you will end up in the exact right place you need to be. I've just watched enough over the years, but I know from the Word of God, He wants to bless you. Don't rob yourself of that blessing. Stay faithful in the little things to the biblical standards of your life. God will bless you. Period. Be a blessing in the places that you dwell. You see, that's your world. Your world isn't in China. Your world isn't in India. Your world is not. Your world is here. It's in your classes, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. It's where you hang out to have coffee or go to eat. It's your friends. It's that circle of people you see in your dorms. It's all those places for all of us. We all have those places. God says, be a blessing where you go there. Do people know you? Do they see the Lord in your life that God has prospered you? Well, no, they don't see me being prospered. My car is a wreck when I pull up in there, and I have to get the cheapest cup of coffee I can. Then when I get halfway down, I put water in it. Whatever. not talking about that. Do they see the prosperity of God in your life, on your face, in your countenance, in your conversation, and what you do? There's lots of ways to be a blessing. How? People can see it. Go to a ball game, bring some extra snacks for the people around you. Pass them on out. Why didn't here in this gym or in a soccer field someplace? wonder why they did that. Why did they do That's crazy. Let God work through you to commit random acts of blessing and kindness. Thank you. And God sees that. The people see it and they say, something's different. Everyone else is zigging, but that person's zagging. Everyone goes in that way. Everyone's looking for themselves. Everyone's ready to run. This person just dropped something off. The Lord just said to be a, to drop this off today. Just blessed to do it. Thank you, you dear people. And then go, whatever. Or hang out. I don't know. But find those ways in your world. You've been stripped of something for doing the right thing. She says in verses 5 and 6 of Genesis 39, From that time, he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned. And the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. He blessed the pagan because of Joseph. Is your pagan place blessed because you are there? The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything, everything he had was with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Pretty cool, isn't it? I don't have to worry about it except what I'll have. Do I want an Egyptian burger today or Egyptian salad or a raw sandwich? What am I going to He All I have to do is be concerned about what I'm going to eat because I know I can trust this young man to take care of it like it's like it was his, better than it was his. also says, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. All Josephs fall into that category still. It's one of those prophets. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't. It was too perfect, right? 
same thing. I'm the exception. I'll say that. It says, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Be a blessing wherever you go. Wherever you park, wherever you dwell. Some of you will be graduating this year from high school or college, getting a new place of employment. It may not be your last stop. And you may think this is a stepping stone. There is no such thing as a stepping stone in God's economy. Be a blessing there. You never know what God's going to do with that. You maybe feel like you're stuck in a workplace. You've been there for 15 or 20 years and stuck. God, you don't know what God's going to do. Period. You don't know. I've seen exceptions to every rule that people put out there and say, it's too late, I'm too old to be married, I'm 26. I've done first-time weddings with people more than twice that age. And I've done some in here, the oldest couple I ever met, 83 years old. Now, I don't think the people necessarily aspire to that. But there are some advantages to it. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> anyway. He blessed everything because of Joseph. God's presence in his life made it possible for him to be successful. While, and see, this is the excuse we lose, use so many times. I wish I wasn't in a pagan place, wasn't, wasn't a pagan school, pagan life, pagan neighbors. But listen, Joseph had all this happen. He was successful while he lived in a pagan nation, a pagan home, and worked for a pagan master. Wow. Because he didn't serve a pagan God. See, Joseph took God with him. God's presence was there. Look at 1 Samuel 2.30. Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that your house and your father's house would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. And you see, despising can come through silence. We can call it whatever you want. It can come through that way. And that's why I have for our last slide today something that's very important. Those who honor me, I will honor. There were two girls standing in a line who were brought into a concentration camp by Nazis. One's name was Corey. The other one's name was Betsy. They were sisters. They were adolescent girls. Everyone reported to be in line. You can read it in the book called The Hiding Place stripped of their clothing and stood there before all of these Nazis for their inspection. As Corey, as she writes in her book, stood there, she was stripped of those clothing and her sister standing there. They tried to humiliate them in the worst possible way for an adolescent girl. It can even for anybody. And she says to her sister, that's standing in front of her. Betsy, they took his clothes too. Referring to Jesus on the cross. And Betsy exclaimed back, Oh, Corey, I've never thanked him for that. Are you thanking God for what he has done through your life? See, you may get stripped of something for doing the right thing. And a lot of people may have thought, what difference are a couple of naked girls standing before some Nazis out there ever going to do? What can ever happen from this? But did you know in 1975, a movie came out called The Hiding Place. 1975 is 30 years after the war. But a book had been written before that, years before that, called The Hiding Place. 
And at the premiere of that movie, from some girls under the power of the most sinful, godless regime you could ever imagine, at the premiere was a man by the name of Billy Graham. And Corey Ten Boom handed Billy Graham the three millionth copy of The Hiding Place. And millions and millions of people have heard the story and have been touched for Christ because of that story. Millions. Have you been stripped of something for doing the right thing? See, they were hiding Jews to get them freed from the Nazis and were brought into concentration camp for doing the right thing. And who knew what would happen from that? But I say to you today, millions and millions of people, including you today, hear a story about how God took something that was so bizarre, so awful, so sinful. And rather than being in line like everyone else and saying anything else they could have said, that's what came to her mind. Because you know what? They took her out of her house in the Netherlands, Holland, But she took God with her, and so did Betsy. Oh, I've never thanked him for that. As pastors come forward today, God may have worked through your life to speak something into your heart that you need to hear today. I don't even know what that is. I'm going to leave that to you. If you'd like to come up and just pray with someone, because God has said, go take that to someone else. Take it. We are here to pray with you. We'd love to hear from you and pray with you about any situation. I did that just in Guest Central. Between services and in the lobby, love for you to do that today. We'd love to pray with you. God is in the midst of it. He is in the midst of it. Joseph got robbed of a lot of stuff when he was sold, but I want to tell you something. He didn't sell his virtue. He wasn't robbed of his virtue. He took it with him along with the presence of his God, and look what happened in season. God's no respecter of persons. We'd love to pray with you and watch God work wonderful things in your life in season. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to come today as a candidate for membership. We're going to present some members in a little while, just at the conclusion of our service. We'd love to you to be on this team. We're trying to reach people with the best news in the world. We're all going to leave this place. The, the terminal rate mortality among people is 100%. You and I, not morbid, it's just a fact. We're leaving this place. Who are you leaving with? Are you leaving with your sins forgiven? You can have your own philosophy and find comfort and false comfort in it. It's not going to save you. Heaven's going to be a perfect place, and Jesus Christ came for that reason. We cannot get in because the Bible said all of sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He took the sins of the world upon himself. But it's personally took your sins and my sins upon himself. He bled and died, suffered our hell on the cross, came out of the tomb three days later where he left the sins in the grave and offers eternal life as a gift. You see, we don't trust in our church to save us or religion to save us or ourselves to save us. We trust in the Savior that already did it. And we don't serve Him to get saved. We serve Him because we are saved. We can't earn anything. We just serve out of thankfulness and obedience to Jesus as our Lord, our Master. It becomes a process of becoming more like Jesus. Not to earn our way to heaven, but once again, because He's paid our way there already. Whatever your decision is today, Please don't wait. Please don't wait. In fact, you may have had something awful happen to you. You may blame on God. 
But that very thing may have brought you to this day to say, what am I going to trust in? You can hold the bitterness or you can release it to him. And he can do some crazy thing like in Corey Tenboom's life or Joseph's life. Some girls that stood there, it looked like it was just a waste, a waste of life. God can use it powerfully. You don't know. I don't know, but God does. Please stand. Don't wait. Come. Please come. We want to pray with you. We want to hear from you.